Podcast. The competencies and skills, the relational skills, the listening skills, the present skills, the energetic skills that, that I am trying to communicate in and inner switch are the things that are going to distinguish the most effective leaders from those that get left behind. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just wanted to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrennie.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Leadership Series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S. and the U.K. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about accessing our inner switch as leaders, and my guest is Susan Freeman, and she is the author of a new book called Inner Switch, Seven Timeless Principles to Transform Modern Leadership. In this book, Susan helps leaders draw their attention inward so they can transform their outward working relationships to be more influential and effective. It is a compelling concept in a world that seems to be changing faster and faster every day. I love this deep and insightful conversation, and I know you will as well. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Susan Freeman. Susan is an executive coach, team coach, author, speaker, and leadership consultant. She brings more than three decades of corporate, entrepreneurial, and nonprofit leadership experience to her clients. Susan is the author of a brand new book called Inner Switch, Seven Timeless Principles to Transform Modern Leadership. And I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about how we can access our inner switch to become more effective as leaders. So, Susan, Welcome to the show. It's delightful to be here. Thanks so much for having me, John. Hey, I'm really excited about this book. Congratulations. It's been out for two weeks now, and um, and it's just a great topic, and I'm excited to talk about it because I want to learn more about this inner switch that we we all have. So, But to start off, um, one of the things I was you know, doing research, looking, looking at your background, and you say that you've been studying yoga for more than 25 years, and I was wondering how much of that uh, influences the way you teach and coaches, coach leaders, because I know it has a big impact in this book. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And the honest, the honest truth is that uh, it depends. Right? <laughs> so I utilize a lot of the experiences and principles in the book, 
with clients that I believe are open mm. and are willing and able to go to those places because they have demonstrated a curiosity uh, and they get permission. And there are clients for whom that is perhaps less engaging and less interesting. And therefore, I do not impart anything onto anyone who isn't interested and open and curious. It's available. Um, and with many people, uh, it's not where they wish to start initially. Uh, and so we meet people where they are. I think that's the most important thing. I'm not prescriptive with my work with folks. I just listen deeply. I connect. And I, I try to meet people. I do meet people where they are and offering them that sort of next thing that's going to assist them in moving forward in their leadership journey. Okay. And in some cases, you will take take ideas from, from yoga and you'll, you'll introduce it to clients. Well, the principles of the book are sort of part of me, right? Yeah. They this came out of a, a deep experience, as, as, you, as you know. So I, it's not that I can separate myself from it. It's just the question of the timing. So yeah. when or if might I apply it in the coaching journey with a client or a team? Um, and always it's important to get permission, you know, to ask yes. people, uh, are you open to trying something new? You know, yes. Are you open to trying something that's a little bit off-label, right? Uh, and I discovered in the book, as I describe in the book, that most people that I have worked with are much more open than I might have imagined. They're really hungry for some of the things that the book offers, and they don't know what to ask Yes. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. That's great. I mean, again, it, it, we talk about that here on the show that yeah. leadership isn't a one size fits all. You have to, you have to find out what motivates your, your team members and you have to work to, to, to customize your approach to every individual. And it sounds like you do that in, in your coaching practice as well. Well, that's the hallmark of good coaching. Always. Yeah, we always driven by the client, the client agenda, the client pacing, the client, um, overall objectives, intentions, goals. I mean, good coaching is never the coach leading or having an agenda. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And good leadership too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, talk about what are some of the challenges that leaders are facing in the work environment today? Uh, you know, we're coming off a pandemic. Um, it seems like you know, the news, the pace of change seems to be increasing faster and faster. What are some of the things that leaders, leaders are facing today? And what are some of the challenges for them as they're facing these uh, environmental shifts? Yeah, such a great question. I, I, my answer is, what are they not facing? What are they not facing? They are literally, we are creating a new world order right now. So we're in the VUCA period has having accelerated volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. The pandemic just put the imprimatur on that because what we were told in 2019 could never happen was not possible. You know, uh, seven days into the pandemic, it was happening. Uh, and so everyone had to adjust. Um, organizations, leaders uh, went from in-person to virtual, went to leading uh, teams virtually. Uh, and now, as we know, there is quite a bit of a tectonic shift with respect to wanting um, you know, some of the senior leaders of the older generations want to get people back into the office full time. And most people are resisting that. Right? They don't want to go back because they've now tasted a different way of living and blending their work and their lives. And quite frankly, it worked for them, um, particularly for the, for the female leaders 
who are really struggling with um, oftentimes being the primary caregivers for children as well as caretakers for aging parents. And having this ability to work remotely and to be flexible is extremely important for your talented female leaders. So I think we're seeing this resistance playing out. And I think from what I'm reading, and I read on this topic every single day, I read, uh, I'm I'm listening deeply. I think that the employees are going to win this battle. I think that we are going to be in hybrid yeah. Uh, I think we will never go back to five days a week again, but for, for the rarest of, of, of organizations, we'll be able to, to do that. I think we'll be more into a hybrid model, which will be a few days a week in office, bulk of the time being able to work from, from home or from anywhere. And in order to attract top talent, this is what the younger generations are now asking for. Mm-hmm. If you if you have millennials or Gen Z uh, employees or kids, you will know that they are not going to follow in the steps of their boomer uh, or, their, or their Gen X parents. They are just not. So they are basically controlling the agenda uh, with respect to how they're going to work and lead and what they are willing to do as a result. So that's the first thing. The second thing is climate change, impacting everyone and every aspect of how we're leading and living, which is causing a great migration. It's causing people to question a lot of the values and the things that they used to focus on. So that's what leaders are focused on. And then there's also this intensive experience of globalization mm-hmm. where um, there is a 24-7 connectedness where people are working with colleagues all over the world, myself included, working across multiple time zones, collaborating collaborating and co-creating. And so this is putting a lot more emphasis on these relationships being very, very strong because you're not necessarily only working with people in your physical location. Mm. You've got to have the ability to transcend that. And the last thing, and maybe even the biggest thing of all, is artificial intelligence, which we are now observing, um, you know, after two months, it went from zero to 100 million users. It's the fastest adoption rate of any technology in the history of the world. So we know that that's going to disrupt uh, our workplaces. It's going to disrupt our workforce. We just don't yet know how quickly, but we know it's going to happen. And so the competencies and skills, the relational skills, the listening skills, the presence skills, the energetic skills that, that I am trying to communicate in and inner switch are the things that are going to distinguish the most effective leaders from those that get left behind. Mm. Well, that's good because <laughs> that's what we need. And I think you're right. They're, the leaders are facing an onslaught of environmental shifts, changes at, at a pace, like I said, like I said, this it's faster than any time before. We just sort of got used to, oh, there's a pandemic. And we sort of, okay, we adjusted to that. And then we sort of got out of that. And now we're Facing, you know, AI globalization continues to increase and it's on the rise. Uh, the the increase in the use of technology and and how, like like you say, uh, borders are are there. It's not that important anymore. You know, these these Zoom conversations are just a natural way of life, and it's just interesting. And so, yeah, the leaders have to deal with more, and of course, it leads to more stress, more anxiety, more problems because you're trying to get a job done with you know, employees that want to work from home and, and it's just, it's a whole, you know, a mix of things that you have to deal with that you didn't have to deal with even just 10 years ago. So it's, it's definitely a, a, a a monumental shift in, in difficulties. Like we ratcheted up the level of difficulty for leaders. And so that creates a lot of problems with, with leadership, uh, 
you know, anxiety, uh, you know, depression, uh, and just a lot of things that that we deal with. So that's why I think it's really interesting to about this book in particular because you're going we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into our inner selves here and uh, learn how to sort of combat some of those challenges from the outside. So wow. let me ask you. So one of the things you say, and I, I really like this. You say that post pandemic, there's a shift to a more humanistic, holistic workplace and a renewed emphasis on people as much as profit. And how, do you, do you think that's the, the case? And I, I do feel that, but I also worry that, that, um, it might be temporary. So do you think it's a yeah. permanent shift where, where I share your concern? Priority? I truly share your concern. I mean, what we're seeing is that, um, mental health, uh, burnout, uh, is now, I have some, some statistics on that, that I pulled last week for a webinar that I was giving, uh, that mental health is impacting engagement. 50% of leaders that were surveyed in an NIMH survey believe that. Um, anxiety is now being experienced by 42 and a half million people. Um, and holistic well-being is now considered to be the top leadership challenge. 53% of leaders polled in a National Institute of Mental Health survey said that holistic well-being was a top leadership challenge. Uh, 42% of U.S. workers say they feel burnout. Mm. Um, so 68% have had to take time off of work because of mental health problems. And two-thirds have experienced work-induced mental health problems at work. All right, these statistics are staggering. Yeah. So what this is telling us, and these are current statistics, this study was done in February of 2023, uh, they're telling us that we've got a problem, Houston. Mm. So I think that the companies that are leading initiatives and putting real effort and energy behind quality programs and initiatives to address burnout, to address employee mental well-being, to address anxiety, uh, uh, and showing and demonstrating that they care deeply about giving their employees, new tools, new approaches, new ways of how do we cope with these changes, right? Don't just tell us to do it. Give us tools. Help us get there. Mm -hmm. Provide a supportive environment so that we can grow and flourish. The organizations that are doing that are going to leave everybody else in the dust. And there are a lot of them that are talking about it, and it's only lip service. I agree with you. But I think in the next 12 to 24 months, we're going to see the ones that are really transforming transforming are going to be able to attract and retain the talent. So okay. it's it's going to be a, I think, you know, the rubber's going to meet the road and in, in, in whether they're doing it well or not, depending upon uh, how many people decide to stay and work there. Well, I, if we can make a shift to people over profits or at least people, uh, profits are important, but we, people are as well. That would be a big step up, I think, for a lot of companies because well, we tend to put uh, profit, you know, and shareholder value over just about anything. And, and it has been good stuff lately happening with, you know, what I call stakeholder value. So stakeholders are being a lot more vocal, whether it's customers uh, with boycotting, uh, whether employees protesting, whether... Uh, you know, shareholders saying, hey, you 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 said you 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 were supposed to live up to these values and you didn't. So I think stakeholders are getting a little bit more say in companies than they did maybe even in five years ago. So I'm seeing a lot more stakeholder involvement. And so that gives me hope that maybe it's not just going to be all about profits. It's going to be about 
living up to the principles that you formed your company over and not just profits. I'm, I'm hopeful, like you. <laughs> very, very well said. And I think this while we're on this topic of stakeholder, I think that one of the things that we do as team coaches is we try to bring all the stakeholders into the conversation, even if they're not physically present. But we ask our leadership teams to really bring the voices of the, the past, the present, and the future into the discussions and the planning and the strategic initiatives so that we are thoughtfully and intentionally creating what it is that we know is, are, is going to serve, not just reacting to what is happening. And that is a very different approach, I think. And, and I, yeah. I really value and appreciate that. Yeah, well, yeah. that is the right way to do it, I think. So let's dive into the book. <laughs> so what is The Inner Switch? Yeah, so The Inner Switch is the capacity to be able to take to combine the notion of thinking and doing, which is what we all know how to do really well in our society, mm -hmm. with the capacity to feel and be. So being able to learn how to blend and activate this polarity, to be able to act and think and do in the world while also feeling and being, not detaching one's heart and gut and being from the way in which we show up, from the way in which we communicate, and from the way in which we choose to respond in any given situation. When we have made the inner switch, we energetically transmit entirely differently to others than we do if we have not yet made the switch. And people feel that, and they engage with that, and they collaborate and co-create they innovate, they do their best work. So if we really want to take our teams and organizations to an entirely new level, I believe that the inner switch is the most potent and valuable pathway to transform our organizations. Uh, this, is, this is powerful. So you're saying, in, in essence, bringing your whole self to work, bringing, bringing not just your, yeah, so you're bringing your emotions, you're going to bring your your. Uh, all, all of who you are to the table versus just putting on a face. I'm just here at work. I'm I'm in work mode. And then I go home and I'm in family mode. You know, I might, you know, go out into the community. I'm in community mode. You're saying bring your whole self to work, which is something I've always, as a leader, wanted my employees to do. Bring your whole self to work. I want your whole self here. You know, I yes. want you to, to, to be, I want you to be at a place where you love coming to work every day. Maybe it's, a hard day's work, but you enjoy being here, you know, and you enjoy your friends and you enjoy the things that we're doing because it matches what you want to do in the world, right? And then it matches yeah. your your dreams and passions. And if you can do that, you know, typically you have happier employees when they're doing things that they love doing. So uh, this is interesting. This is good. So turning that switch and, and bringing your whole self. So I love this. Um, you say that uh, leaders... Uh, when they draw their attention inwards and they can transform their working relationships and get more effective response from employees. So you're saying part of this is going in and then it comes out, right? Is that generally the description of what's happening? You can only be in the external world that which you already first experience within. Okay. So rather than attempting to try to change others, 
I, I tend to believe that when we focus on our own inner experience first and then show up with others, we clear ourselves first and then we engage, what we're able to create is an entirely different conversation mm-hmm. than, than the other way. And we've all seen this. We've all experienced it. We've been on the receiving end of leaders in our careers where somebody has come and just talked at us and they have made it about them uh, offloading something from their shoulders onto us and or lobbed it, worse yet, lobbed it over in an email, right? And we know what that feels like and we know that that doesn't promote engagement. It doesn't promote responsiveness. It promotes reactivity. And what you and I, I know, have seen throughout our careers is a lot of very reactive people. And so the inner switch is about getting beyond this reactivity. It's understanding how our brains and bodies actually work so that you can learn and choose a different path and that when you engage with others, you are responsive and not reactive. Mm. And, And that makes all the difference. Yeah. Ever to achieving any goal or objective that you have as a leader. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today life is hard but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier hi my name is blue Toulousma. i'm a writer and emotional intelligence coach and the host of humanized with blue Toulousma 
a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectroCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. I really think it's an important aspect. It's one area that's in the book, and I was going to ask you about that. Um, this idea of, of um, not being reactive, but being res- responsive and be able to respond to it versus react. And I think, you know, as I observed leaders over, you know, my my corporate career was there was a lot of leaders that was just completely reactionary, sort of like a like a, like a dog that, you know, you come into the yard and they bark, you know, and it just was reacting to bad news or, uh, you know, when somebody didn't perform to expectations. And so it was always the barking dog and it was always a reaction. And, um, and I think that's, and, and we do that when we're busy. We do that when we're stressed. We do that when, um, you know, we've got a lot on our mind. We just react to problems. And I saw that a lot. And I think the better leaders are the ones that, you know, can take time to reflect and respond in a proper, proper manner. In other words, taking that difference. You you say in the book that the body is the gateway to transform from reactive to responsive. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I was just asking you to tell us a little bit about the body, because I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I appreciate that question. Well, this all comes from yoga, right? So okay. we have the, the autonomic nervous system consists of two components. One is the sympathetic, the other is the parasympathetic. When we are awake and at work, we are typically using our parasympathetic nervous system. That's the thinking and doing part where our brains are conscious. We're using supposedly rational thinking. We're in beta brainwave. Yeah. And so that's how we show up to get stuff done in the world. But what's the problem with that? The problem is the other half of our nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, is never invited in the conversation. The parasympathetic is the part of our nervous system that is the feeling and being part. It's the part that engages when we are deeply relaxed and it can be engaged when we are conscious and awake. It will promote alpha. It shows up with alpha brainwaves and if we're an advanced meditator, perhaps delta and even theta brainwaves, the capacity to be able to engage in being deeply relaxed while being conscious and awake is where the magic juju is. Because what's happening is when we are deeply relaxed and we have activated that parasympathetic nervous system, the amygdala cannot be hijacked. Mm. And what you've described, that conflict-creating, stress-inducing, reactive struggle that many, many, many people go through, you know, we're all busy, right? And most of us are always stressed, right? When you retrain your body to know how to enter that state like this quickly, what happens is no matter how externally triggering the event is, you are not going to react. Mm-hmm. You are going to respond. And that is going to transform your relationships. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. This is not something you can think about and then make it happen. It is a bodily, it is an embodied practice. So I give a lot of exercises in the book to help people who might not ever get on a yoga mat 
to have a taste of this, to experience this for themselves so that they can feel it. Because once they feel it, they've got it. Then it's just a question of practicing and retraining the brain and body, retraining, rewiring the neural programming. So this becomes the way in which we engage in the world. And that is the practice. I love that. And And I know from an outward standpoint, I know just in my experience as a leader, your your people reflect your mood. And yes. so if you're always reacting to every everything around you, the, your people are all walking on eggshells and they're all nervous and don't tell them, you know, because they're worried that, you know, the, the way the boss is going to react to the situation. But if you're, if you're calm in the face of, you know, bad news and, and you know, uh, information that's not, you know, good for the business and what have you, but you're able to just sort of think through it, you know, respond versus react. I think the the team sort of, it's like a, like a parent always yelling at a child for every little thing they do. It creates a lot of stress versus, you know, sitting the child down and saying, okay, what, you know, why are you doing this for versus, you know, so it's having that response. And I think it, it creates a better mood overall in the organization when the boss isn't just flying off the handle for every little thing that happens. Yeah, beautifully said. I mean, this is, you know, it all starts with you. If you're the leader of an enterprise or of a team, it all starts with you. They are going to pick up on and feel your energy. And I give case histories in the book of CEOs and COOs and people that I've coached where that exact experience happened for them. Where they they would come into the office, they'd be highly reactive. Everybody on the team would feel it. What happened today? And then... Like we begin doing this work together and they're now describing in their own words, dramatic shift in how people are engaging with them from the first steps into the office. And so that's why I say it really is an inner switch. It isn't about what you say when you go into the room or about what you say when you walk into the office. It's about also configuring who are you being and how are you being Yeah. and what are you feeling and what's getting in the way of you showing up as your best leader today? Because if you can't clear that for yourself before you show up in a team meeting, you're not going to have a very productive meeting. So powerfully said, I agree. One thing uh, you talk about in the book and I thought it was interesting um, it's it's this you know idea we're always chasing work life balance and so it's it's essentially we feel like uh, well there's there's this you know we can reach nirvana we have perfect work life balance and it never seems to happen uh, you have a different view on work life balance and I thought it would be interesting to share your thoughts on the idea of work life balance and what it really should look like yeah well this is probably the most asked question of anyone in our worlds today, right? How do I get this proverbial work-life balance thing working? And I think my belief is that it's the language that we're using that is creating part of the problem. You see, there aren't two lives. We don't have a life at work and a life at home. Our way of being when we live and we work is the same. Yes. So the root cause of the distress or the perception that we are not balanced, is that we are often not integrated within ourselves at all. We're not integrated, 
So therefore, we show up at work as disintegrated and we show up at home as disintegrated. Therefore, our experience in our lives is one that lacks integration. The balance is already there when we are integrated. So for example, you know, the equation of how to solve a problem of two legitimate competing interests. How do you provide for your family while spending more time with them? This is on the minds of so many young leaders today who are raising young children. When we're not integrated within ourselves, we make a trade-off and we rationalize about our choice. And that creates a lot of inner conflict. When you're integrated within yourself and you've engaged your body and heart, what happens is the choices you're going to make are naturally going to shift on their own. And the solutions that you might not have seen before all of a sudden start to show up without you having to think about them. So the inner switch process is going to teach you how to become and remain an integrated presence at all times. And the opportunity is to learn to avoid this default habit that so many of us have in our country and our society to overwork ourselves to the point where we become and remain dis integrated. That's the invitation. I love it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I I worked for 22 years in corporate and I started my own manufacturing business seven years ago and I've never felt more uh, integrated than I do today. In other words, uh, when I was with corporate, I was always sort of like doing things that they wanted me to do. Like I, I hadn't, I was running manufacturing businesses and so I did my best to put you know, my leadership style on that business. But I was always sort of like, you know, corporate was always pushing things that I didn't agree with necessarily. So I always felt like I was not, I wasn't bringing my whole self to work. Like I was like, oh, well, if I want to keep this job, I've got to do what they want to do, even though I don't agree with it, you know, and I can't really push back. So, so there was a lot of times I felt like I wasn't giving my whole self to work. But when I, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I feel like that's gone. Like I don't have anyone above me saying, you know, you got to put a time and attendance system in for salaried employees like this, you know, like crazy things like that. Like, I, I don't really think that adds any value to my business, but they're being forced on by corporate. I don't have that problem as much anymore. So as an entrepreneur, I found I'm much more integrated today. You know, my my personal life and my professional life are really blended to the point where they're hard to see the difference. And so I think for the first time in my life, I feel integrated. And I didn't I ne didn't necessarily always have that feeling when I work for other people. Do you have any ideas or ways that we can think about it when we're in environments where we can't sort of bring our whole self to work or we feel like conflict between the way the, the organization we work for wants to do things and the way we, th we think and know things should be done? Any thoughts on that? Because I, I know that's something I struggled with in my corporate days. Oh, it's such a powerful question. Um, you know, my clients um, typically are, you know, entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, and presidents of, en of enterprises. And that's for a reason. Yeah. Because I enjoy working with this population because they are the decision makers. Yeah, yeah. They get, you know, if if we resonate and 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 there's a connection and they want to work with me, then we we're working together, you know, usually we've had a few days of a conversation. Um, and because, you know, I'm working with the decision makers and their level one teams, there is an opportunity to help shape and shift that conversation because that's what yeah. they're hiring me to do, right? Yeah. They're hiring me to help provoke new ways of thinking. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, we don't have to go through layers and layers and layers of agreements and, you know, procurement committees and a whole bunch of people who have yeah. lots of restrictions on the ways in which we can work. I think what I would say to anyone is to really look deep within, you know, life is short and we've all learned that it can change overnight with that pandemic uh, and to really connect to one's values. And if you're finding that the values that are critical for your well-being are not being met in the current situation in which you find yourself, find another situation. I agree. That That's what I think. I mean, I and I really wish... I had thought that differently. I just always thought, well, that's just the way it is. I'm never going to be in a place where I'm 100% comfortable with, but th- that's not true. You've got to go. I have a friend of mine uh, named John Brubaker who says, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And I think that we need, especially in a time now where it, I think employees have the upper hand in terms of y- your choice and where you want to go. And there's no stigma attached to having multiple jobs. So if you don't like what you're doing and you feel like your values are in conflict, I agree with you. Move on. Find another opportunity where you do feel like you can bring your whole self to work. I, I, I really like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so beautiful when you get to that, you get that clarity and you yeah. realize nothing in your life is worth tolerating being out of sync with your values. Nothing. I, I love that. I, I wanted to ask this because I, I really like this and we don't talk about it enough, I think, in leadership. You say loving leaders create connection. And I love that when I hear the word love and leadership connected, I love it. But tell me what you what you mean by that. Yeah, uh, thank you for that question. I think it's important to begin to preface it by saying when I when I say loving leadership, I'm not meaning intimate, <laughs> intimate romantic love right. or actual love. That's very important. Very, very important for people to understand. Loving is not in the definition of sexual or romantic intimacy right. in this right. context. It is about bringing one's light into the work that you do as a leader and be able to cultivate that and bring that out in those with whom you work. Mm -hmm. So that loving leadership is about seeing and experiencing the light that every human being has within them and knowing that you, when you are in the last principle, the eliminate principle, when you have reached that level for yourself, you will be able to cultivate that within others. And when you do, that's when the magic really starts to happen. Mm, I, I love it. It's interesting because I've had three Navy SEAL commanders on this podcast, and all three of them have mentioned the word love. And that's how they were were successful in the things they did is they had each other's back and they they cared for the person on, on the left and the right of them. And, and it was a deep love that got them through difficult missions and got everybody home. And I think that as a military person, there was definitely that uh, on board a submarine. There was a, we, we looking out for your fellow sailor and it was, it was a bond. It was, you know, again, like, like I said, I think it was love. We, we loved each other, cared for each other. We wanted to make sure we got home safely. And I think that that carried us through difficult times. And I think that uh, it, it, you can bring that to work. And I love that you you bring it up in the book. It's that deep care conversation. I mean, we know that in organizations, people only act if they care. Yes. So if we don't get to the level of understanding what people care about, we aren't going to get them to take action and they're not going to produce results. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we be able to engage people in the care conversation 
And that, in order for people to express what they care deeply about, they need to feel psychologically safe. Yes. And they need to feel that there is a sense of someone else seeing their greatness within and inviting them to share that. And that's the love I think that you're describing. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's great. Well, well, well stated. Um, this book is so great. And we really just kind of, I feel like we scratched the surface on it, but let, you know, what's one final message you want to leave uh, to the audience about the book that, um, that might be unique uh, amongst other books and just something, what final message you want to leave with everybody? Yeah. So the, the value of being an inner switch leader is really extraordinary. It's, it's, we offer an integrated roadmap to help people learn how to alter their difficult relationships from conflict-creating, stress-inducing, reactive struggles into harmonious, responsive, and joyful collaborations while enjoying the process of getting where they want to go. And not only will you have better results because you'll be co-creating, innovating, and bringing forth the greatness within everyone with whom you work, you will also be joyful all along the way in getting there versus the destroying of others, destroying your own energy and destroying the energy of other people in order to, quote unquote, reach the goal. That is no longer tolerable or sustainable. Mm -hmm. People are just saying no to that. And this roadmap is a new way. I believe it's a way that can transform the way we work and the way we live and the way we lead. And I'm excited to be sharing this message with your listeners and with the wider world. I'm so appreciative of your interest, John. Yeah, this is such a great book, such an important topic, especially as we, you know, emerge from, you know, a pandemic and 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 the workplace is shifting and changing. And really, as I was saying earlier, employees have the upper hand right now and bosses, you, you got to work hard if you want to keep your best people. And uh, if you want to, if you want to create an environment where people love to come to work, this is these things you got to be working on on yourself. You got to get inside if you want to fix the outside. So you got to flip that inner switch. Is that the right terminology? That's the right terminology. (laughs) Invest in doing your own work, invest in your own leadership development because your organization can only achieve in the, in the results, what you yourself are willing to do to grow as a leader. When you stop growing your growth, your, your results are going to show that. Wonderful. Well said. Uh, Susan, how can people find out more about you, uh, your services that you offer, and also uh, this new book? Yeah. So you can find me on the web at www.susansfreeman.com and at LinkedIn, Susan S. Freeman. Uh, I have a very robust website and LinkedIn profile. Uh, You could sign up to be on my uh, monthly newsletter list where I give free tips and tools as well as announcements of things that I think might be of interest to leaders who are developing. And if you go to my website, there are also uh, links to all your favorite online retailers, uh, the big ones as well as the indies. So uh, we we encourage you to purchase the book from whatever feels right for you. Uh, And um, I also have at the website uh, offers for leaders and organizations who wish to buy multiple copies of the book. There are generous bulk orders as well as bonuses for me, including uh, virtual uh, sessions with me, team sessions, et cetera, as part of that, depending upon how many copies of the book you purchase. So that's a great way to get started. You can also 
email me at susan at susanesfreeman.com if you wish to engage in a chat and a discovery conversation. I'm always up for that. Oh, fantastic. We're going to go ahead and put links in the show notes uh, for all of those resources. Susan, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate the work that you've put into this book. Uh, I really like the idea of us going inside, flipping that switch so that we can be better leaders on the outside and within an organization and create uh, a better environment for our employees and ourselves too. And so instead of trying to struggle with work-life balance, why not bring your whole self to everything that you do? And I, I love that idea of, of an integrated, uh, bringing your integrated person to, to work and to your home life. I think that's a fantastic uh, lesson from this book. Susan, thanks for coming on the show. And I really appreciate everything you shared today. Thank you, John. It's an honor. And I appreciate all the great work you're doing in the world and the way you're showing up as an integrated leader. It's really um, very inspiring to me. Mm, well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling, styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Hey, what's happening out there, everybody? This is Lawrence Ross, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my podcast, The Lawrence Ross Show. Egomaniac. It's a two-hour weekly exploration into my mind. I also do sketches, celebrity impersonations. You're out of order! And I also do song parodies. Not too shabby for a blind guy. Not only are you visually impaired, but you are geographically impaired. New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out on your favorite podcasting platform or listen to it here on Society 13 on Electrocast.